Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it had a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. It's Friday. That means listener questions live, and it is crossover time for Cincy Jungle Podcasts. I'm Anthony Cazenza, joined by my usual partner in crime, John Sheeran, and we've got the man, Titan Down, Zim Hude, joining us too. Uh, hey, guys, how's it going? Happy Friday. We're one, what, 24 hours away, basically, right now, right? 25 hours away until kickoff. One of the biggest games in franchise history. I'll start with you, John. How you doing, bud? I'm doing pretty well, man. It's been a fantastic week of content and entertainment regarding the lead up to this game, along with the guy who's about to talk right now. And also, I really hoped that we had another guy, Ace Boogie, to come onto the mm-hmm. show. But since he's not here, we will represent. There you go. Design, there you go. Trace Amigos. You got you got T Higgins. You got Jamar Chase. You got Tyler Boyd. Shout out to Seth Reese, who designed this, and obviously Ace, who's selling it right now on NewStripeCity.com, the only place to get that merch. And also, check out Zim, Zim Hude's merch at BurrowBabies.com for sure. We got Zim, I think, uh, experiencing some tef- technical difficulties, but we'll get him back shortly. He's, he's coming back. He's coming back. I mean, there's there's no way we're, we're letting him dive out of this thing here. He's had uh, a little bit of a computer issue, and I think he was trying to do it from his phone, so I'm sure he's kind of working all of that we're streaming live on zim's youtube channel as well as the orange and black insider youtube channel and we're on cincy jungles facebook we're on youtube uh like i mentioned we're on twitter all kinds of different stuff so uh definitely submit your questions we're gonna we're gonna kind of talk about a number of different things and field your questions in a number of different ways how can you get those to us you ask Via email the obinsider at gmail.com. Any one of our three Twitter accounts, you can shoot them over to us or the Bengals OBI Twitter account. There's a live chat going on cincyjungle.com where you can leave and post some comments there. There are live chats in our YouTube, Facebook, um, all kinds of different things. So we're monitoring that. Obviously, um, we're, if, if you're doing a super chat, we, those will take precedence. And by the way, if you submit a super chat today and you joined us for our Wednesday show when we had Icky Woods, all of the super chats that we will be getting the remainder of this week will be put in a pot for a big donation to the Javante Woods Foundation. Um, obviously, that's a foundation in honor of Icky Woods' son who passed away from uh, a severe asthma attack, and he has been trying to do some great work in the community in honor for his son. He was gracious enough to join us after being ruler of the jungle on Saturday at the wild card game. We talked about that and of course his great charity. So though that money will be given as a donation to the Javante Woods Foundation if you are so inclined. Or you can make a direct donation on the Javante Woods Foundation.org website. They're accepting that too. So um check that out. Do we have do we have Zim back? We got Zim back. All right. We gotta we gotta get him back in here to Let's see. We got him. All right. There he is. Zim, what's going on, bud? We got we got you back. I'm doing good. Can you guys hear me good? 
Yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're good. Okay, yeah. I don't know what happened. My internet, as soon as the show started up, it just like tried to take me out. I don't know if there's a Titan working somewhere behind the scenes. Just gonna say that. Gonna take me out, but you can't because we're coming to Nashville, baby. What's up? <laughs> I was gonna say that the, the Titans ticket people are are coming after you. They're trying to they're trying to mute us. That's what's happening. By the way, that's kind of I guess we'll start there because we've had a couple of questions on this. I want to get your guys' thoughts. Um, also, by the way, I, I failed to mention because we were bringing Zim back in. If you want to get in touch with us as well via text or call 949-542-6241 is the number to get in touch with us here. And we've got a nice super chat from our guy, Russ ENT. Um, that's going to go to the uh, Javante Woods Foundation. Thank you, Russ. Appreciate it. And as always, thanks for leaving great, great comments, nice comments, and joining us in the live chats. Appreciate it. All right, let's talk about this ticket thing. Because in your Twitter spaces, this has been a topic, Zim, and obviously there's an article on CincyJungle.com, all kinds of different things. I will start with you, Zim, if you do not mind. The Titans, in case folks do not know, the Titans have decided to try and limit Bengals fans by, what is it, canceling the transfer ticket policy that they're doing and all kinds of different things. I kind of find, I've never really heard a team doing this. I understand to some degree why they would obviously want their home crowd there. But to go to this length to to kind of try and I, I kind of view it as almost a measure to try and bring up potential communication issues for Joe Burrow and that offense, make it noisy and and all of that. But I've never really seen Zim a team go to this length before. Right. I, I, I mean, I, I haven't seen it either. I was told behind the scenes two different things. One is that because it's just a four hour drive, I think I was told that there's going to be a it was expected to be like 35% Bengals in the crowd anyway. The other part that I heard is that um, for the most part, they weren't they weren't uh, on the brink of selling out. So they were really, really, and I, don't, mm. I, don't, and I, and I think that's still the case too. Because a lot of people with the weather and the temperatures like supposed to be like 15 and pretty low, that they're having an issue like probably selling out the stadium. So one of their fears is that a lot of people would, you know, be able to, they're are actively trying to sell their tickets. So last minute transfers, I think could hold them off a little bit, I would think, but all the major ticket outlets, you could still transfer as much as you want. So I don't know how much of an impact they will have. Yeah. John, I, I think it, go, go ahead, bud. go ahead. Yeah. Like it is legal. I think like the, the national predators, the hockey team, they do this. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if it's just like a Tennessee thing. It's, it's obviously, not well known in the NFL spaces. We haven't really heard or seen much of this. But two things out of this is, is interesting. One, like Zim mentioned, it's just a four-hour drive to Nashville. So presumably you could get your ticket, I believe, in the next hour or so because that's when the transfer window officially opens, I, I think, for anyone who has tickets and then can then resell them to potentially a Bengals fan. So people are going to leave Cincinnati in the next hour or so to get down to Nashville. And it's not that far of a drive. Like I, We went to the Notre Dame game up in South Bend, in Indiana, that was like four and a half, five hours. That didn't stop anybody from UC going up to Notre Dame. And then the other thing is, I, I think Zim kind of hit on this, like the Titans don't experience very many sellouts and they experience a lot of just traffic from opposing NFL fan bases. And I don't know why that's become an issue when you're the number one seed in the playoffs, but apparently it is. And that's just, it just it's not a good look for the Titans. That that's kind of my my take on it. I understand it to some degree, and I understand they're looking for every competitive advantage and all. I I love that info that you you brought up a little bit behind the scenes there, Zim. It just kind of feels to me. I was thinking about it this morning. It just kind of feels like 
the schoolyard bully take my ball and go home mentality, right? Just kind of like I'm I, I'm pounding pounding a little bit. I don't I'm getting the vibe that things aren't going my way immediately before we even start this game, and it's just kind of like I'm going to do what I can to gain a competitive advantage and maybe not. I, I don't know. It 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 gives off vibes a little bit that they're they're not really liking how this thing is setting up for themselves, be it, be it the, the opponent, be it the fan base that is rabid, the Bengals fan base that is rabid to come and support the Bengals. I don't know. I just, I, I, I understand it to some degree, but on, on another level, it just seems almost petty. It really seems, it, it kind of seems petty to me. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not. Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, I, I think it's a petty move. I don't, I don't, I, I am a I am a fan of gamesmanship, like some of the stuff like Bravel coming out and saying, "Oh, we don't know how many snaps Derrick yeah. Henry's going to play, or if he's going to like I, you know, like I I do understand that part of it, but to me, I just think like this is America at the end of the day, and it's somebody I hate when people say that, but it is true in this in this in this circumstance. Like if if people want to buy a ticket to be entertained, you know, it's not my job to make sure that you fill the stadium with your fans. Like it's your front office's job, it's the people around there, it's the community's job yeah. to make sure that it's predominantly blue. If that's the, if that's what you wanna do, that that shouldn't be something where you should hinder people. Like, and, and I said to America, like, it could be people coming from another country. Like you shouldn't right. be hindering people wanna buy tickets to it. This is not a free event. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, on the, we've been on that other side of the fence, right, John? I mean, we've seen the Paul Brown Stadium have ticket issues, and obviously, opposing fan bases come in there, and they didn't do this kind of block tactic. Well, just last week, like there was no shortage of Raiders fans necessarily. Like they they traveled and right. they packed the stadium to to their extent, and you know the Bengals kind of welcomed that, and that was part of the reason why it became the biggest sellout crowd in Paul Brown Stadium history. With, with this, like I do wonder, I do wonder though. Like, this is the third year in a row the Titans have been to the playoffs with Ryan Tannehill. They lost last year to the Ravens. They, they lost to the Chiefs on the road the year before. I do wonder if, like, say the Bengals, like, say if they hosted a lot of those playoff games in the early 2010s or whatnot, I wonder if there was there would be a case where they would be scared that not a lot of fans from, from their fan base would come out. And I wonder if that's just what the Titans are right now. Like, is there skepticism regarding the Titans? Like, can they actually perform to the extent of the one seed and maybe they just want to make all assurances that they're going to get the most advantages possible. I don't know that, that that's just kind of what it seems from my perspective. It, it makes it, it all ties into winning and losing and the belief. I, like I was telling you, I had a, a small interview earlier on, 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 um, I think it was channel five and they were asking me, what has changed? What has made everybody believe? And I said, the quarterback, you know, like that, that's a big part of that and that in conjunction with winning. And I, and like you said, you know, like people are looking at Ryan Tannehill, looking at, hey, we've been here before, seeing the landscape of everything. It's really cold outside around the country, period. And it's really cold in Nashville. So like you combine all those different things, I think they go hand in hand. Right now, as hot as Joe Burrow is, there's no scenario where he wouldn't sell out like Paul Brown. That wouldn't even be a thing. Like and like you said, there were plenty of Raiders fans there. In my section, it was very limited, but like the the lobby of my hotel was flooded with Raiders. That like plenty of shots I saw on TV. I rewatched the game. Plenty of Raiders. Like when they scored or did a good thing, you know, like you know. And I like that part of, about sports. Like you know, 
I like that. Well, there's been no shortage of Ryan Tannehill takes this this week, be it from the Bengals fan base or the Titans fan base, and none maybe more entertaining than the ones we have heard in your Twitter streamed uh, spaces, <laughs> Zim. And one thing that I, you know, th- there was a, a gentleman who was a Titans fan yesterday. John, you may have, I think you were on the stream at, at, as well, maybe at this point. Um, first of all, I think it was the guy from from Canada, and I don't know what they're putting in the the beer or what whatever up there. He was he was spouting some <laughs> incredible takes yesterday. But there was one of the things he said was, you know, Ryan Tannehill's great for the system that the Titans run. He's perfect for what they want him to do, et cetera, et cetera. And I started thinking back about that last night and today, and I said, you know, that is a very, very similar mindset and mentality that Cincinnati Bengals fans had with Andy Dalton, right? And no offense to Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton had a few really nice years. We had those five straight playoff wins. I say we, and I hate the guy that says we, but the Bengals had those five straight playoff <laughs> playoff appearances. Andy Dalton had some franchise records, which have since been broken by Joe Burrow. But here's the deal. The reason why the Bengals made that move off of him is because they were able to draft a generational quarterback and a guy that could transform what the team is, what they want to do, and what that system is that they want to run. So my point is that while I understand that mentality, and Tannehill's an athletic guy, he's had a lot of wins. He's had a, a good amount of success in this league. He's no slouch for sure. But that, but that mentality from the Tennessee side of things in terms of Tannehill is perfect for the system that we want to run. Well, don't you want a quarterback that maybe would, would dictate a, a different mindset, meaning you want a quarterback that you want to bring in to change the system that you want to run and make it a more successful system, a different system? I don't know. That's just kind of some thoughts that rattled in my head, guys. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I didn't want to over it. You know me. I'm very passionate about this subject for, for me. Like This is a subject that I've been talking about for so long and to meet so many people, you know, along this way, this week has been really, really entertaining for me uh, outside of the Twitter space. I, I felt like I met a lot of new people um, that are Titans fan. Contrary to believe, there are a lot of people that I've actually gotten along with really, really well and been talking to like on the side or even, you know, like a couple of different things going on. So some of the conversations that I have are like, your way of thinking is very is very different than what a Bengals fan is feeling right now. And I think a lot of Bengals fans are talking to you almost out of concern in a way. Like, are you sure that, you know, like that's the way you want to go, like make yourself one dimensional and just say like, Hey, I like the way this guy hands the ball off. Like <laughs> that con that concept to me just doesn't, you know, it doesn't resonate to say right. you want to ground it. To say you want to ground and pound. That's one thing. Like there, there's going to be games where you want to ground and pound, but to say that, Hey, we're going to pigeonhole ourselves into this one style of playing. And we're as a whole, we're, we're okay with that. I think you're, you're, you're not telling the truth or, 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 or being truthful with yourself. And for people that don't know, I had to explain this a lot too. I was telling my mom this yesterday. I was like, I'm on this cool thing, Twitter spaces. So if you don't know, Twitter spaces is, you know, now this new, um, I don't even, it's not even really that new, but it, it's a form where people are allowed to speak. You have a speaker that hosts, you can have a co-host and then other people are allowed to speak. So people that maybe aren't sure what Anthony's speaking of, it's just a form where people can speak. 
So we all just been kind of collectively speaking. I've done two of them this week. One of them was really, really long, but we did one last uh, last night and John was in there holding it down as well. Um, and we just, we, you know, I, I like to get information, honestly, but mm -hmm. it turned out to be a lot of us trying to inform them like, hey, look, this isn't the route you want to go or you're, or I think it's a great form to provide a lot of, um, you know, statistics and it's, it's so many different things you could talk about. So it's a great form for that. And I, and I thought they were really, really healthy, a couple of knuckleheads in there, but ultimately, <laughs> I think, ultimately I think we all got our point across and yeah. as a whole, I think Bengals fans feel really confident in this game after going through all of these different points from positions and none more important than the quarterback. You know what it is? Because in in the Andy Dalton prime years when they were going to the playoffs and whatnot, like they were in a similar situation with the Titans where their rosters are balanced and there's not a lot of weak points. And it comes down to Tannehill just playing good enough for everything else to work with it. And that was the case with Dalton too. Like all Andy Dalton has to do is just not screw up and play a clean game. And then the rest of the team can make the difference, right? And yeah. that would be a problem against really good quarterbacks. And that is why in the NFL now, it's easier to win when you have an elite quarterback because that can make up for a lot of other differences. And it's just more sustainable. It's more it's more reliable to just count on on a week-to-week -week basis. And with the Titans now, it the, the whole conversation with Tannehill and what, what the people on the Bengals side were trying to explain is that Burrow is clearly hands down better than Tannehill, and that gives you an inherent advantage that's hard to overcome unless everything for the Titans goes right. And that's why the Titans now, with the way that their team is is, is um, constructed with Tannehill, everything has to go according to plan, and that may not happen. Like That's why it's tougher for the Titans to go on this run that the Bengals are capable of making now. And, it, and like Anthony said, and like you said, Zim, it just reminds you so much of those Andy Dolan conversations. And unfortunately it, it will take something tragic to happen with the Titans, maybe a loss or Tannehill playing bad for them to truly see that and move forward. Yep. Uh, Zim, I, I, I think you're still maybe on your, are you still on your phone? Okay. So I don't know if you're able to see comments or not. Maybe, maybe John and I will, will kind of uh, look at some of these. I want to get to some of these super chats. We've had some phone calls and whatnot. We're trying to juggle all these. We are in the midst of celebrities. Luke Knoll, Saturday Night Live alum, uh, checking in and Hell. making a nice donation to uh, the Javante Woods Foundation. Who is the hottest Bengal in terms of raw sensual power? Um, <laughs> I, I love that question. And Luke, we, we, we got to get you on the show, man. Um, I don't know. I, 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 not to sound weird, I guess I'm, I've been crushing on CJ Uzama these days, man. His, his a good looking uh, dude. Yeah. And he's, he's, his infectious, you know, uh, leadership and rah, rah. And he was, he was, he had me last week when he was wearing the Holman Jersey, the Rodney Holman Jersey. I'm like, dude, throwback. I love that. Rodney Holman was one of my favorite Bengals ever. So I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of crushing on CJ Uzama these days. Did you guys. see him break out the shades on the Good Morning? Yeah, Bengals? yeah, 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 yeah. Man, his, his mic depth is pretty legendary too. Yeah. Like if we if we go on a Super Bowl, like if we go that far, looking back at this run, I think they're gonna look at like some of his yeah. moments, especially like the mic depth stuff, and just say, "Man, what a special season that was." Mm -hmm. I think what Luke was trying to say was that he was trying to type in sexual and they wouldn't let him do that. So he had to put in <laughs> sensual. So if the original question is Ross sexual power, 
I think it's it's got to be Burrow, right? Like the, the dude just exudes <laughs> swagger and confidence, and he's a good looking dude. Like like that, that, it's just it's just the easy answer. All of us are on the spectrum at some point, and and that that portion of the spectrum that we're on, it's attracted to Burrow. Like there's no need to hide that. Uh, <laughs> no, John oh is coming 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 fully out. Yeah. He's coming yeah. all the way out the closet on this one. For me, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. But I mean, honestly though, like Burrow, like. To be a hundred percent honest, who wouldn't after a football game get like this James Dean, you know, like this cool, like he just could just one brush of the hand, his hair just falls perfect. Everything about, you know, like Joe Burrow, like after a game or like when he's not trying is so damn cool. And I just can't. And, and in my mind, I always thought, I told my wife, I said, hey, when, I asked her one day, she went to the doctor's office and said, on the magazines that they're sitting on the table. Is Burrow on any of them? She was like, not yet, Zim. And I'm like, damn. Like, for me, my dream is to, like, walk into a dentist's office and that stack of, of, of magazines just has, like, Burrow on, like, at least, like, two or three of them. Like, when Burrow mania, like, hits, and he's just, like, so perfect for that. So, I'm going to go Burrow. All right. Well, thanks, Luke, for that for that uh, super chat. Crazy. Like you said, that's going to go to the, the Javante Woods Foundation. And... Um, yeah, you took this show in a in a way that we've never taken it before. So, and now there's like you know a couple hundred people live watching. So um, yeah, it is what it is. Fun question though. And we've got Jason Von Stein, one of our buddies, on the line. Jason, what's going on, bud? Uh, not much. Just happy to celebrate another week, another win. Oh my goodness, the curse is over. <laughs> I love you guys. I've been watching AC do this show. For a long time. He was doing a show with a guy named Nick Superling. Mm -hmm. It was another podcast before this podcast, before the popularity, before everybody. And we finally, man, I'm so happy to finally be able to see us win a game together, man. Long time overdue, man. I'm so happy for everybody. I do have one question. Is there any chance we can finally get a Brad St. Louis interview? A Brad St. Louis interview. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to work on that. Brad St. Louis was on this team for a while, but Clark Harris is now the man. Clark Harris came to the rescue. Uh, thank, by the way, thank you, Jason. Well, I appreciate the the compliments and, of course, the support. Longtime support of the show. Appreciate it, my man, and good to hear from you. Hopefully the Bengals get another playoff win for you. Clark Harris came in. I don't know if you guys remember. Brad St. Louis was a, was a pretty solid long snapper for a while for this team, and all of a sudden – he just got the the case of the yips and, you know, was not snapping the ball well at all. And Darren Simmons made a change after a while. And Clark Harris came in and was, you know, kind of a, a godsend and has been a pillar of consistency since he arrived. So um, I don't know. We'll have to hunt down uh, Brad St. Louis. We had, a, we had a long time ago, we had a guy, a former Bengal tight end, Nate Lowry, who was a special teams guy. We had him on, on the show a long time ago, but I don't know about Brad St. Louis. I don't know what he's up to these these days, John. He would have to be up to something interesting in order for it to be an interesting show because I, is it just like the redemption, like just talking about the, the ending of Brad St. Louis's career? I don't know if a lot of people <laughs> other than Jason Von Stein would like to like to hear that. But Clark Harris, though, definitely up there in the rankings of uh, sexual energy for the Bengals. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Sharp. Man, before the game, um, before the championship game, matter of fact, no, I'm going to tell you first quarter, Clark the Shark comes over. I'm sitting right behind the bench. I'm I'm at like the 35 yard line. I'm in the I'm in the front row of that game. Clark the Shark is shooting the shooting the stuff with this guy up front. 
and the guys cracked some joke about like, you know, you don't really snap them like you used to, Clark. And then Clark goes out there and and it just like, you know, like just shoots one back to uh to like the uh who was that that was catching? I forgot who that was catching. It wasn't even a punter, it wasn't even Hugo. And he just said, he was like, Yeah, now how you like that one? And this is like first quarter. You know, in the middle of the game, like having fun. And Evan McPherson sitting like right there on the bench and he's just like smiling like, oh, that Clark. Clark, if you guys don't know, if you ever go to a Bengals game, you want to you want uh, autograph or something like that, you probably could get one if, if you're consistent with it and hang around. Because Clark is always the guy that's walking around that front area. He always hits up the end zone area and he's always interacting with the fans. So it's easy to see why he's a fan favorite. Yeah, and, and props to him. He just gave, I, I think, a set of tickets. He gifted them to the Bangalorean after a lot of fans were clamoring for him. Clark's been giving out all kinds of tickets throughout the the year, and uh, I think fans kind of rallied behind Bangalorean because he was not he wanted to go and was not able to go, and, and Clark uh, came to the rescue there. So good on him. We got a, a I think eighteen euros if I'm if I'm reading the mm-hmm. um, the the chat right don't thank me winning all this back betting uh marvin lewis and the over who day from james clayton who has helped out this show in a number of different fronts good to hear from him uh james you and i exchanged some emails recently check out your inbox if you got a sec my man i appreciate the help you've done for for this show in the past i'm trying to get to all these we've got like a bunch of super chats trying to get back to some of these in the meantime john do you see a question zim i don't know if you're able to to see it yet but uh, john do you see questions that you would like to get to on one of our uh platforms here yeah i got you we, let's go as topical as possible because i believe 10 minutes ago the T- tennessee titans officially activated uh derrick henry off of injured okay. reserve we had a question from one nation underground di- uh directed towards a, uh, someone directed this towards zim but l- let's just ask Zim first what is the word on King Henry's foot and how much of an impact do you think that will have? Let's just assume that he gets like 15 to 20 carries in total. Let's just assume that that's going to happen. Like, what does it mean for the game? For me now, two part question, right? All right. The first part is, I don't know if you guys watched Dr. Chow, like the football doctor. So, so he commented on Derek Henry's foot. He noticed him at practice. He said like, it's clear he's laboring. Uh, putting a lot of uh, a lot of more power on the left hand side. I think if you're the Bengals, you got to be prepared for the king, right? And and there's no way around it because you never know. And when he's running full force at you, you you better wrap up. And I thought it was really important. Uh, Logan Wilson had an interview this week, and they said, "Man, are you excited about the chance to to take on Derrick Henry one on one?" He was like, "Absolutely not. Like I I'm excited about gang tackling him." and getting him down to the ground. And I just think that that's the, the energy. The Titans run um, run scheme as a whole. Guys like Deontay, uh, is that Foreman? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Foreman and, Foreman and Hillier, it allows them to do well and, and thrive in the system no matter what, whether Derrick, Henry's, Derrick Henry is there or not. If you look at the numbers when Derrick Henry is there, and when he's not, the yards per attempt and the total yards are very, very similar. So it's very clear that they're coming to Nashville to run for 30 plus times. And for the Bengals, if I had a former player tell me earlier today, and actually, and an active player that plays for the Broncos, he told me earlier this morning, he said, there is no way on earth that the Titans can win this game if they don't average over 4.4 or four point between 4.4, 4.6 yards a carry. 
It was like, it's just not enough uh, firepower. Now, this is his opinion. He's actively playing in the National Football League, and he plays in the trenches. And I said, well, is there another world where Tannehill just kind of like, you know, makes some big plays and makes one? He said, yeah, but, I mean, it's pretty limited on how many times can he do that in a game with this with this unit that probably hasn't been together that often. It would have mm-hmm. to be like an insane performance that they're just not capable of. And if you go that route, you're taking them out of what they want to do, which is a win for the Bengals. So I, I don't know if that answered everything, but Derrick Henry is always a threat. If you've watched Derrick Henry over the years, he's a legit, he's very close to Hall of Fame status if he's not there yet. So for anyone to underestimate him just because he has a foot injury or anything like that would be silly. But at the same time, I'm told that most of his runs are going to go to the left because he's going to have a hard time planting on the uh, right. Planting, yeah. Right. He still has a metal uh, thing or a boot or something in his shoe. I was also told that if that if it wasn't an issue or it wasn't anything that could seriously get worse, they would have gone a different route. So him planting and doing things, cutting to the right, is going to be really, really impactful. And based off of what we know, he's nowhere near 100%. The concept or the plan, I guess, for the Titans is that going we're, whether we win or lose, it's win or lose time, right? We got the next six months ahead of us to recover. So if he re-injures it, so be it. And I guess Derek has agreed to do it. So here we go. Yeah, I, you know, I'm going to echo some thoughts that I heard a little earlier today from someone far smarter than me. And uh, it was it was something that I had kind of thought about as a key to this game going into it. Uh, it was Greg Cosell being interviewed by Dan Horde, um, and obviously Greg Cosell, one of the most res- respected voices in in league circles and whatnot. But he basically said, you know, it's not so much the Derrick Henry twenty yard run, thirty yard run, fifty yard run type of play. It's the Derrick Henry that turns a th- what should have been a two or three yard gain into seven yards and eight yards, particularly on early downs. And I, I think that that's a very astute observation because that then plays into Tannehill's wheelhouse, right? Shorter completions, controlled completions, play actions, all of that when you have manageable third downs, manageable second downs, et cetera. So I think in terms of of Henry, injury, all of that, we'll see exactly what he can and can't do. Um, Interesting information from Zim there, but I I do think that that is a key for the Bengals on defense is to kind of try and, you know, when when you make contact, I know it's very difficult with Derrick Henry, but with this injury and whatnot, when you make initial contact with him, you got to start getting him to the ground because if he extends some of those runs, a handful of extra yards than they should have gone for, that's going to make for a long day for, for Cincinnati. Logan Wilson has the right idea here. Um, quick quick plug. I have an article coming out within the hour about how the t- the Indianapolis Colts managed to stop Derrick Henry in Henry's last game right before he suffered that Jones fracture in his foot. A lot of a lot of this has been made about the lack of depth that the Bengals have at defensive tackle in this game. And, you know, they still have two starters in BJ Reader and BJ Hill. But in reality, like what the Titans love to do, and this this could be huge with with Henry's injury, they love to work, to run outside in wide zone and let him cut up field. And once he does that, like once the Titans offensive line, which is pretty good at run blocking, once they give him a, enough space to to burst through the gap, that is where the explosive plays come from. Like mm-hmm. Derrick Henry just running up the middle 30 times makes him no more irreplaceable than any other running back in the league mm-hmm. and that's not what the titans that's not where his value comes from he his value comes from explosive runs that's what makes him different than donta foreman so in in that colts game it was darius leonard and, and the colts linebackers in the backside pursuit 
uh, defenders crashing down on the backside of those plays and basically ganging up on Derrick Henry right before he enters the second level. And that's why his longest carry of that game was only nine yards. So this game doesn't really come down to DJ Reader and BJ Hill in the defensive tackles. It comes down to Sam Hubbard coming from the opposite side, Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson having masterclass performances, getting to the gaps as quick as possible. And the more guys that you have meeting Derrick Henry in the hole, the better chance, obviously, you have of bringing him down. But if he gets into open space, I don't care if he's got an 80% foot, he can break off a long run for sure. Let me ask you this, too. Are you worried about, like, this past week, there were a lot of different instances where Jesse Bates was called. And I, and I thought he had a really good game. But he's called upon to be uh, – he, he might be one of the eight men that get entered into the box. Is that a concern for you, like bringing Jesse Bates into the box versus because sometimes they like to do that and keep Von Bell back, right? Or they and they do it like at the snap of the football. That's the first question I would ask. Another little tidbit I just want to talk about too is that when we interviewed Quentin Spain, me and my partner Ace, uh, who couldn't be with us on here today, we interviewed Quentin Spain and he said one of the things that they do very well, we were talking about Derrick Henry. We asked him, and it's funny that we asked him a bunch of questions about Derrick Henry. He said one of the things that they do and they do it, and y'all might not see it at home, is they, they purposely scheme up Derrick Henry getting to the perimeters to get one-on-one with a cornerback. And he was like, when you play him, you have to make sure that, like you were just saying, John, that your linebackers are on, on all accords with that because they're going to have to do a lot of game tackling. But that, that was another little thing that people don't understand it, when we're talking about Derrick Henry. Yeah, they'll pound, pound, pound. By the time you get the fourth quarter, maybe you break one of those open. But like you were saying, a lot of those big uh, runs go to that outside. But I wanted to ask you about how do you feel about that, like with Bates in the box? So what do you think from a scheme standpoint that Lou could, you know, what are the problems that you think that that presents to our safeties maybe? Yeah, I think in, just in general, because the Bengals don't like to use three linebackers anyways, they just save that for like Lamar Jackson. They barely have any linebackers available here. So they're going to have to put Bates and or Von Bell into the box to match that. We got Jake Lisko in the chat. He was he said he noticed a bunch of big runs for Henry bouncing outside on some of those duo or, or gap concepts in the middle because a lot of people were crashing down. Then you have a condensed box with seven or eight guys mm-hmm. all going inside the hashes, and then Henry has the vision and the athleticism to bounce outside, and that's where also some big runs come into the play. So at the end of the day, it just comes down to gap discipline. It comes down to making sure that you're not getting too far inside on Henry when he's running in the middle and not getting too far outside when he's running to the outside because, again, like the, the athleticism that he has to, to cut up field and break off those runs is huge. And when it comes to just schematic-wise, like, yeah, I'm interested to see if, if they utilize, like, maybe Marcus Bailey more often to get three linebackers on the field or if just Von Bell just lives in the box in this one because just staying in, in your gaps, making sure that the force players are matching with the spill players in this one, it's going to be crucial. The, the other thing, too, that this shows is a little bit of the genius in the, the Bengals investing in corners over the past couple of free agencies that are physical and can tackle, right? I mean, Mike Hilton's known for his tackling. Wouzier's known for his tackling. Waynes at the time was known as an able tackler. Now, a lot of that comes on passing and whatnot. But these guys have also shown a willingness to, to chip in in the run game. And if these runs are going outside, you know, some of those guys are going to be put to the test, not just the linebackers as well. So having those physical corners willing to tackle also maybe maybe help some things as well. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Nice, super generous uh, super chat from Stuart Monty that will go to the Javante mm-hmm. Woods Foundation. Great interview with Icky, such an overlooked cause, and I've been doing the shuffle all week. Also, are you? how are you guys feeling? This is another big Twitter space debate, Zim. The trenches. <laughs> Uh, on both sides of the ball. I'm sure you'll get to it. It's just on my mind. Look, the thing is, I, uh, I wrote an article up that's, that'll probably go up soon about our, uh, my interview with believe in Titans, Davey Hudson. And one of the things that is not it's all about how many times has Joe Burrow been hit and sacked? That's the narrative this week. Did you know that Ryan Tannehill was sacked 47 times this year to Joe Burrow's 51? I mean, it's, it's there. The numbers are there. So uh, you know, I guess, uh, I don't know which one of you guys want to take, take this first, but you know, there are corresponding weaknesses and ways that, you know, each of these teams can, can potentially balance things out for, for each other's weaknesses. I don't know, Zim, I, I guess, um, I don't know. I don't know who wants to take it first, but, uh, there, there are some things that are being overlooked in terms of that quarterback hit sack ratio that, that everybody's talking about. Are you pointing at me, Zim? Is, is that what that is? Okay. <laughs> that guy. That guy. I, I think that the Titans, their their front four, it, it's pretty good. Like, there's not a weak point on, on that spot. Like, Jeffrey Simmons is a beast. And that's that's really funny because apparently Titans fans don't know that Bengals fans know that Jeffrey Simmons is really freaking good. He's like an he's all, he's really like an good. all, he's like he's just really a casual, good. like second team all pro or whatever. Really um, but uh, other than that, like, Bud Dupree is he's not great, but he's still out there and you have to account for him. And Harold Landry quietly has like 12 sacks this year. And mm-hmm. I, I thought he was going to be a little bit better than what he was coming out of Boston College, but he's developed pretty nicely. And then Nico Autry, probably the most underrated guy, like a defensive end who lines up a defensive tackle. They like to run a ton of twists and stunts. And that's something that has given the right side of the Bengals offensive line some, some mm-hmm. fits in recent years. And even this year with a new coach and Frank Pollock. Like the timing of those stunts is crucial because they'll they'll either have like Simmons and Autry just uh, cross paths like immediately, or they'll have like Simmons kind of delayed going behind Langer or something like that. It's a lot. It's two man stunts, three man stunts, tackle in, tackle, tackle. It's a lot of communication issues that prop up from that. And I think that is the biggest thing. Like personnel wise, I think the Bengals offensive line is good enough to to hold them off in one-on-one situations for most of the game. They'll probably get through for maybe two or three sacks because that's just the nature of the game. That's that's a talented defensive line. You have to live with that. Like maybe, yep. maybe like we said on Wednesday, maybe one of them ends a drive on like a third down or something like that. And you know what? That, that's a no. That, that's a win for the Titans because they're pretty good. It's communicating and passing off those guys on stunts. That's the crucial one because if they continue to get home with that, then that can lead to a long day for Burrow. Right. And, and a, and a guy that is a, a hot topic where I don't know why, you know, I think they're going through their Geno Atkins phase with Jeffrey Simmons or something where it's just like that, that's not an everyday name, I guess, you hear. So automatically they assume you do, you guys don't even know Jeffrey Simmons. I heard that so many times. I'm like, no, he is a beast. And if anybody knows us, you know, and we're talking three seconds, we're talking – defensive line play like out of respect like we made a living in our division off of doing exactly what Jeffrey Simmons is doing for your team so I definitely understand you know that aspect of it um one thing that I I think I wish the Bengals would do or is something that I think could be very key because they're going to put the emphasis on these guys to get home right 
that's going to be the overall thing. They're the second least team to blitz in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. Because we know that they, they're relying on these guys to get upfield so fast, I would screen them early. I would screen, screen, screen. Like, I would go crazy with that early. I just want to give them something to think about before I start going into my overall stuff. I think when, it, when, it, when Joe comes out there, it'll be a lot like the Raiders game. I think we'll see, we'll see that the offense now – primarily goes through Jamar Chase now, where which we were caught, or at least I was calling for earlier in the season. Like, it doesn't have to be, you know, just straight bombs, like, before the half, right? So run your offense through that. But, like, to, to offset some of that, because there's so much pressure on those four to get home, I just think that if you can get them to hesitate earlier in this game, screen them, run directly at them, different things like that, I think it just changes, like, mentally how far, how far do they want to push up in the pocket how far do they want to get it? Because there's, they're they're literally relying on that. Whereas you'll see the Bengals like occasionally Mike Hilton on a blitz. Where in this game, I don't know how much Mike Hilton's even going to play. Like in 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 their four three base packages that they're going to have to come out with in this game. So there there's so many different things that I think kind of got misconstrued in that. But Jeffrey Simmons is a hundred percent a beast. I think, and this is another thing that that does concern me with that. When I rewatched that Chiefs game. Yeah, Chris Jones only had like two sacks, right? <laughs> but he, Joe Burrow, dodged like three mm-hmm. other sacks. So if you're talking about pressure in his face, middle, like, you know, Trey Hopkins isn't set up for that. And that is a concern if you're a Bengals fan. And the greatness of Joe Burrow, maybe you saw it at home or not. But, uh, Joe got out of three. To, I think, I don't know if Chris got, ended up with two sacks or one and a half, but Joe dodged three of them that. 100%, 92% of the league you're getting sacked on. So that's something to look at for sure. Um, the the other part of this that we're, you know, I know we're all focused on the offensive line and we've got a lot of other super chats and a lot of other texts and stuff. I, I hope you guys are okay on time. We're going to try and squeeze in as much as possible, but there's the flip side of this more. as well. What's that? I was saying I got 30 more. All right. Yeah. <laughs> The, the other flip side to Stewart's question here quickly uh, that we're not talking about is the Bengals, the, uh, the Bengals defensive line, the Bengals other side of the trenches. We talk so much about their offensive line and obviously them protecting Burrow, but uh, the Bengals are getting Hendrickson back this week. Big, big get. They lost Joby obviously for the year. That's a big loss, but BJ Hill steps in. John and I talked about how we're curious to see about his increased role this week so all of that kind of being taken into account dj reader going up against a familiar team when he was with the texans all of that um how are you guys feeling about the defensive side of the trenches for the Bengals in this one especially given the fact that the titans have been one of the top uh offensive lines in terms of giving up sacks this year yeah and it's surprising to me because like I think Robert um, Roger Salford, uh, Taylor Luan, uh, Ben Jones. I think he's still the center there. Like there's some good guys, and I, I guess they're just considerably better at run blocking compared to pass protection. So 47 sacks to me seems like a lot. I don't. I haven't watched a ton of Tannehill uh, specifically this year. I know he's a great athlete, but I don't know if he's just terrible at evading pressure or just guys that are just not playing that I well. And, yeah, exactly. So like it, maybe, maybe I, I think someone did say. Uh, that Tannehill is just like he doesn't have object permanence or if like if if there if he doesn't see a rusher he's basically not there which reminds me a lot of what AJ McCarron was with the Bengals too so there's a there's definitely a scenario where Hendrickson and he loves to just do the rip move to the outside if he can get under Taylor Luan to 
t- giant mammoth of a six foot eight tackle. If you can get under him for a little bit of a blindside, like you could see something like it was last year, or last week, excuse me, when he strip sacked Derek Carr. So Hendrickson playing is, is the biggest thing. If he was not going to play in this game, that could have changed things dramatically for Ryan Tannehill just just buying his time, just picking apart the Bengals defense. But him playing against Luan is one of the biggest matchups in this game. Sam Hubbard versus David Questenberry, who's managed to stay in the league for nine mm-hmm. years. Credit to him. That's also a really good matchup as well. And BJ Hill, man, like we don't give him enough credit. We've talked a ton about Larry Ogunjobi and just the the the, the splash plays that Ogunjobi's provided. BJ Hill has been the more consistent player, both against the pass and the run. And obviously his his play against the run is going to get a lot of run this week. But him being productive as a pass rusher, that can't go unnoticed, too. Right. Um, you, you talked about the right side of their line, too. Even when I go and look at their PFF grades and stuff, and I haven't seen a lot of their reps, you know, but Questenberry and the, um, God, what's the right guard? Nate Davis. Yeah. Although they struggle in pass blocking, much like our, you know, our right guard and our right, our right tackle, their rim blocking grades are still pretty good. So um, I think Taylor Lewan has given up four sacks on the whole year. You, you compare that to Jonah Williams, he's given up eight sacks. Pressure is about the very, very similar in that regard to. So it, there, there are different things along the, the. I think the key thing though, and I, I think I, I might have said this in the spaces, is that Tannehill on third down is at the league bottom. Tannehill down by ten point by ten points is the worst rated quarterback in the National Football League, and so I just think that there's a world that. Maybe he can get out of it. Maybe they get a couple big runs or whatever. Just knowing what we know about uh, Trey Hendrickson versus the pass rushes that they see, like they've seen recently against the the Texans and when they play the Jaguars and stuff, this is a uh, that's a big factor that they're not factoring in at all it, for the average, I guess, Titan fan. Is like I just think that's something that we can exploit. If and, and that's why I think it's very key to get a lead. It is. Yeah. Uh, there's our boy Jason Jack Jackass of all trades there. Who day nice nice twenty dollar uh, super chat there. We just heard from him on the phone a little bit. Thank you for the support, and that'll go to the Javante Woods Foundation. Appreciate you. Uh, I am finally seeing um, the person that you gave me a, a heads up about, John. Finally, I was I, we've had we have like hundreds of viewers right now live, so this is awesome. I saw. Our, our good pal, um, you mentioned him earlier, Jake Liskow from Locked On Bengals made a stop in. Our good buddy, um, Strawberry Ice, stopping in and saying, hey, um, good, to, good to have all Joey. those folks in there. Yeah, I'm trying to get to these super chats um, because, you know, these are these are donations and want to get to all of those. In the meantime, do you guys see another one from either one of the live chats on CincyJungle.com or something that I may have missed? Um when we gonna start talking about when we gonna talk about Fat Randy? That's what the people want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a I had a chat with Davey Hudson of the Believe Network, Believe in Titans podcast, and we had a little chat about guess what, Zim? I don't know if you listened to it or not, and John, I don't know if you heard it yet or not either. When he misses for the Titans, when he has missed for the Titans, he's at about eighty four percent on his field goals for the year. They call him Fat Randy too. They have adopted the Fat Man. Randy. Nickname mantra. I couldn't even believe it. He said it. I didn't even bring up the name. He said it, and I was like, "Dude, what? I can't believe. I can't believe this." I'm gonna tell you this. I I don't think I'm the originator, but on Instagram, I never (laughs) heard anyone say this before. I said it right because I am a a trailer park boys. Like that's one of my. That was one of my go to shows back in the day. That's the original Fat Fat Randy, right? 
Yeah, trailer. I didn't know that at all. I didn't know that either. So yeah. trailer, okay, so Trailer Park Boys is one of the greatest shows ever created. Let's let's just put that out there. So if you guys got time to go on, let's do with the glasses and the the big eyes, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I've seen I've oh seen God. the pictures of it, but I've never watched the show. Yeah. Oh my God, that, you're talking about the guy bubbles. Um. So anyway, so <laughs> I've I've always called him Fat Randy, right? My one of my best friends is the head athletic trainer for the Titans. Is my childhood friend. We actually oh, wow. talked for about an hour about two days ago. He was talking a little trash and stuff like that. But back when I was calling him Fat Randy with the Bengals, he then started calling him Fat Randy. So I know the day that he showed up. The, matter of fact, the day that Fat Randy first, he said, man, Fat Randy's on fire, bro. And I said, oh, really? Really? He, he, then one week he called me, said, man, Fat Randy is trash. <laughs> and I was like, what? He was like, he was like, man, he failed us. Like, Fat Randy has lost him like a, a game or two this year or whatever. So I don't know if he has something to do with that. And then now all the people around that area are now adopting the name. But I never heard anybody say it uh, when, you know, and I had a lot of, I had a lot of good videos where I, um, me and Fat Randy were eating donuts. So that, that was really fun. Because <laughs> all I this time, donuts. I, all this time, I, I thought it was literally just like made up just because of what he looks like. And I had no idea that it was, it was a real life look that, He doesn't look that different than the Fat Randy on the show. He's got dark hair. Fat Randy's real Fat Randy. Belly is like the size of me, AC, put together. And it's just like a perfect round belly full of like jelly. Like it's amazing. Like it's the greatest bellies of all time. If you guys get a chance, just Google Fat Randy. It'll pop right up. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, well, at this uh, point, if we Google Fat Randy, it might be Randy Bullock. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> but that's, it's that's probably what side by you. side. That's what. Because it, because this thing is happening, taking its a whole life of its own, the pictures pop up, and they are very similar. Now they're starting to really. You'll see. You're gonna. You, you're laughing now. Wait till you see. You're like, oh my god, he really does kind of look like Fat Randy. Quietly, though, a big key, though, to this week is uh, are the kickers, right? I mean, it's just, right. you know, I, you hope the Bengals are able to f finish drives as opposed to settling for field goals like they did four times last week. But I, that that's another strategic move that has immensely helped the franchise is moving off of, and no offense to Randy Bullock, he made some nice kicks. He, he had a couple of decent years with the Bengals, but making that move to McPherson and him leading the league in 50-plus yard field goals, that's that's just a big a big move for this team speaking of kicking let me ask you ac how do you feel there's been a bigger uproar i don't know if you've seen this uh huber hasn't really been performing mm -hmm. in the past like how do you feel about that do you think that's going to come back to rear's ugly head like in the playoffs at some point i i hope not um there has been a, a little and i i i don't like to pile on him because he's been such a great pro <laughs> for this team and he's i mean the dude has been a, a good punter for this team for a long time. He took that terrible shot from the Steelers that broke his jaw years ago. I mean, he's been through a lot. He's seen a lot. By the way, go check out his article on the Players' Tribune that he put out there. Awesome article by that he penned for them. Go check that out. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, unfortunately, we're kind of seeing the, the end here for him, um, I, I think, after this run. I hope – the special teams has always been solid, even through some of the bad Marvin Lewis years and whatnot. Darren Simmons has always run a pretty, pretty good unit. And when things have come up, he's pretty quick to make a change. You saw the Darius Phillips issue earlier this year when he was fumbling punt returns in the San Francisco game. There was a pretty quick response to that. We talked about Brad St. Louis and Clark Harris uh, years ago as well. There was a quick response to that. And 
you know, so I, I hope that they can dodge, you know, a couple of poor kicks. And, and also, I mean, in the cold, it sometimes it, that thing's like kicking a cinder block, right? I mean, it's right. just, it's, it's hard. So I hope not. The Bengals dodged a major bullet that nobody's talking about last week with Evan McPherson in that kickoff that would have gone out of bounds and the player grabbed it and then they got, he got stopped at his own two. I couldn't even Whoa. believe what I saw there. Um, and, and so that was a big turning point in the game as well. That's McPherson, obviously, not Huber, but it's those kind of things you got to be able, if that comes up, you got to be able to dodge those kinds of bullets. I hope Huber kind of turns it around, but there have been a couple of late, a couple of punts that have been less than ideal from the from the veteran. And I, I think that when they signed, what's his name, Drew Chrisman, uh, this offseason, I, I thought that that was going to be the eventual replacement. And he's been like released and signed back on and released to the practice squad, like maybe mm-hmm. a record amount of times because no one's going to sign like a, a rookie punter. Like the, there's always the, the security that he's going to be available. So I think that plan is still probably in place. And going back to, to Bullock, who, by the way, people are Googling him. And it, when you Google Fat Randy, it is just Randy Bullock, just all 100% <laughs> of the results. Um, what? Yeah, what? go ahead and Google it yourself. <laughs> Bro, like that is super disrespectful to the original. Like the oh like, the gosh. real Fat Randy is a legend, bro. Like I don't even. Believe Maybe that. it's because I'm in Cincinnati and it's tracking my location. But regardless of the situation, so. th- th- there was there there was an instance this year where Randy Bullock did win the Titans a game at the at yeah. the buzzer. Mm-hmm. It was against the Colts in Week Eight. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for them, that's how they lost to the Jets because he could not tie the game from like I don't know like forty something yards away. So it sounds familiar. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's hit and miss. <laughs> <laughs> How about say did he did he grab his hammy after he missed? Yeah, it? He missed it? I don't think he I don't yeah. think he could do that twice. Put that past him. He's a wild boy now. Like I don't know. He's a guy that's got some chair. He's gonna immediately grab that thing and be like, I bet you they never seen this one before. He's probably gonna use that for every single stop that he ever makes in his NFL career. I wouldn't put that past that guy. He's a he's a wild one. Um, that's I was funny. gonna say something, AC. I thought. It was really important that you said that because one thing I wanted the Bengals fans in here to know too is that the Titans um, uh, are amongst the top of the NFL as far as red zone defense. So if there comes a time where we're talking like where Joe Burrow goes to the red zone five times like he did in the Raiders game and walks away with like what four field goals in that in that stretch or whatever, yeah. that's where kicking is really, really going to come into play. And we're talking about Nicole. So that is something to keep your eye on. A lot of Titans fans that I've talked to, a lot of things that I've seen too, is with their cornerbacks and the way that they're set up, bend, don't break, concept, let, let you have all this stuff underneath, drive the length of the field. One thing that's really important for the Bengals to do is break these big plays like they've been so that they don't have to make these trips to the red zone. But that is a calling card of the Titans is, allow you to minimize your possession, shorten out the game, yep. dink and dunk your way down the field. Before you know it, you have a drive of eight minutes, they have a drive of eight minutes, you go in the fourth quarter and it's 10 to 17 or, you know, like 10, 13 or something low like that. That's a part of what they do and they've, they've won a lot of games like that. So I think it's really big for the Bengals between the 35-yard and the 35-yard um, lines on, you know, those. that's the sweet spot for me to take shots. To, to make big plays and never even get into the red zone. But once you do, it is that is one thing that is a strength of the Titans. That's a good point. Uh, Ian Ryder, our, our buddy, who is the singer and guitarist of Holy Coast Band, he 
uh, sent was kind enough to give us one of his tunes for that we've been using for one of our shows. There, go check out the Holy Coast Band on Bandcamp. Support his band, local musician. He's been touring in the area, and um, I think they're they're going in the studio. I read somewhere to to make some more music. So go check out his music if you like some some good old fashioned rock music. Great guy and great supporter of the show. Uh, I'm talking about this is the time he always he wants us to do OBI after dark where we're I don't know sipping liquor and and I, I guess making a little little more PG 13 rated R I guess I don't know but uh, he has been in the Twitter space as well good to got hear. a little preview of that um, in the beginning of the show so expect more of that right um, we had one I'm gonna try and get this uh, from Mr Whisper um, another YouTube you uh, YouTube super chat I'm gonna try and find this here there are a lot of comments I'm scrolling through as best as I can sorry folks. Uh, the question is, and I'll pin it here, but regardless of how this season ends, it's been amazing. That said, Bengals have some decisions to make, and we know uh, needs can change the offseason. Who do you think does not return next year? Joby, Bates, Waynes, etc. cetera. Uh, I don't know, John, I guess you could take that one first. I'm going to pin it here, but thank you, Mr. Whisper, for the generous donation that's going to go to the Javante Woods Foundation. Yeah, whenever the Bengals play their last game this year, that's Trey Wayne's last game as the Bengal, too. Yeah. It's just it's inevitable at this point. I, I don't think Jesse Bates is gone. I think at the very least they franchise tag him. I think just him showing out like that in the wild card round, I think that means a lot to them. Uh Ogan Joby, that's probably the most interesting one because you have both him and BJ Hill as free agents. Mm-hmm. I don't know who they're gonna prioritize there. You have Ogan Joby now coming off of an injury he just had successful surgery but again like i think in his limited snaps hill has been just as good if not better so that, that's the main decision also I, I know zim is pretty big on bringing back riley reef and maybe he moving him inside a guard i think that's also something very interesting like at this point reef is probably he is who he is and he's only going to get a little bit older so his options may not be that that much like lucrative compared to anywhere else but here but i don't know that, that that's interesting to me Right, I mean, that's the game plan. Like, I, I, I don't know how much we want to talk about the all-season stuff, but, you know, with right. the depth that they've acquired throughout the season, I just think it's a natural thing to kind of give Riley Reef a shot. You know, like, it'll be, you know, signing to a two-year deal, moving the guard, give him a chance, you know, at that the right guard to solidify that position. You come back to the drive and, um, you know, take another shot at some of these other positions. But ultimately, to me, if you are a person that was – Team Sewell, and you're screaming, offensive line, offensive line, give me offensive line. There's going to be a guy named Taron Armstead that's going to be sitting out there, and the Bengals have plenty of cap space, and they got a quarterback named Joe Burrow that will extend the lifetime, uh, I mean, extend the career of any offensive lineman, and if they're smart, this is a high, high, high off-the-charts destination for offensive linemen, or, the, or, or in this case, the best right tackle that will be on the market. To me, I think all the energy should be channeled towards a guy like that. They just need to spend it in this four year window of Burrow. They got to utilize like that cash and go get like primetime players because we don't have time to fool around with prospects like, you know, for for this guy. There's no room for error for Joe. I we know that the Bengals do not prioritize paying big big money to guards, especially in free agency. So I, I I don't I think that trend likely continues to some degree. I think like you said, Zim tackle whether that's Reef or another one out there that they would they would be more. I think they'd be more open to spending money in that regard as opposed to an interior offensive lineman. But one name that we did not mention, Quentin Spain. 
right? Um, that's a guy that's on a rental deal as well, has played for the most part, pretty right. solid this year, um, not Pro Bowl level by any means. And there's been a couple of issues here and there, but for the most part, playing playing pretty well in a steady presence on that offensive line. So that's another decision the Bengals have to make there. I feel like that's what I'm saying. The value of like, yeah, like come come on back, Riley Reeve. Like now you're friends with us. We, we've been eating steaks <laughs> at Jeff Ruby. Like we've been eating steaks. We've been eating good. Haven't we, Riley? We've been treating you fair. <laughs> you know the guys. You're hanging out with us. So Quentin Spain, like that's the thing though. Like for Bengals, like Bengals fans, have to get on board with this concept. Like now you're like a big tourist destination for a 28, 29 year old guard tackle, whatever, like that's looking for his one last contract or the Quentin Spain, like semi journeyman type guy that incorrectly, you know, may have been taken off of a roster or something like that. They're looking to lengthen their playing career. So mm-hmm. Joe Burrow in from free agency and offensive line play, there should be no shortages of guys that are, are, are waiting to come here. I know it's a little different, but it's a concept when people start to see them winning, it, it makes them, you know, of course they want to win too, but dollars make a lot of sense. And if I can protect this guy named Joe Burrow, I can make a lot of money. It really boils down to that to me. Here's what it comes down to, because we don't know if they'll ever, ever invest in like the top tier offensive linemen. Like those guys are going to go where they make the most money. And that's just the way that it is. But once you get past that level, the money is basically the same. And you have to think about this. Joe Burrow wasn't even drafted by the Bengals. And DJ Reader had an offer from the Broncos and Bengals. And his agent said, who do you want to bet on? And he said Joe Burrow when he was still at LSU. And then this year, Riley, and then this year coming off the injury, like Joe Burrow only played 11 games. No one knew what he was going to be when he came back. Riley Reef was still convinced that that was where he needed to go. Now you have a 16-game, 17-game currently sample size of Joe Burrow playing at an elite level. It's only going to get easier to track those guys. Yep. Um, we're going to be here a few more minutes. I know we're going long, but we've had a lot of awesome super chats, which is direct support to the Javante Woods Foundation. That is awesome. We're going to try and get to some more texts and stuff. We've just been trying to give a little priority for these donations. It's pretty cool. Bengals Browns football says, love your shows, guys. Question, do you think Mike Brown will talk about his dad during the Super Bowl speech? I hope so. Uh, that is, I, There is a YouTube link there. I did not check the YouTube link. I will definitely after the show just because I didn't want some, you know, some audio or something going over our show here but uh we'll check that out um I, I believe he will he would we know mike brown is not the most um he's not a jerry jones in terms of getting in front of cameras and and microphones and all that kind of stuff he doesn't absolutely relish that attention when he speaks it is very methodical emphatic and very thoughtful in what he says we know that um he, if you remember, guys, the the old Hard Knocks uh, episodes when the Bengals were on it a handful of years ago, he had kind of just some different comments about his dad in terms of, you know, he was just just an old school guy. And sometimes they just kind of seemed like their relationship may have been, I don't know, I don't want to say strained or anything. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was business-like in a lot of respects, it would seem. But then there was also, I remember watching, I think it was a football life, Paul Brown, and the way Mike talked about his father, too, was also pretty special. And, and when he recalled when Paul Brown was fired from the Browns um, and, and what he said, just kind of something about, you know, they took my team away from me and all of that. And he said, I'll never forget that kind of stuff. So 
it, it's a it's kind of an interesting and and from what little we know about their personal relationship together, obviously there's a lot of love there. It's family. It's a family run team, but interesting question here. And John, you put up an article on cincyjungle.com kind of recently here about some somewhat scary, but news that turned out to be okay concerning Mike Brown. Yeah. So (laughs) Zach Taylor's first game ball was to Mike Brown because 31 years of him running the franchise, the first playoff win. And Mike Brown was not even at the stadium because he was at home dealing with a mild case, quote unquote, of COVID-19. Mike Brown's 86 years old, like COVID for anyone that age is it's it's pretty serious. Right. It can turn pretty serious. So hopefully he's doing OK. Like the fact that he had that interview with Cincinnati.com seems to be like he's doing better, that he was able to talk and speak to the media. And I don't think like if the Bengals do win the Super Bowl, like Mike has to speak like in the podium and whatnot. But I don't think he's going to get too in depth. Like like you said, he's not really one for long winded words and conversations. But man, yeah, that, what if what he got it? What if he got up there and had a mic drop moment? Like that would just like people talk about like the emotions of like crying and stuff and all these different. I want Mike Brown to really go out there and pop like just two sentences and be like, "Yeah, like now get off my back" type stuff and just right. boom and just step off. Like I'm gonna tell you this too that sticks out with me during throughout the season. Do y'all remember the letter before the season? Yeah. In that letter, now I'm I'm not I'm not trying to quote it. This is not a quotable, but in that letter, he was. It, it, I'm just giving you the short version. He was saying, you know, like you all wanted this guy, and that's Zach yeah. Taylor. We yeah. wanted. So yeah, so here you go. Like take your guy and be patient with him. And and I always stuck out with me because now that Zach Taylor is now having some success, I'm like, yeah, Mike. You know, like don't back down off these people. Like because there's like a weird part of me that's just like. You know, like, Mike, you better spend that money. And, you know, then it's the other part of me, like, oh, that's like Gramps. You know, like Gramps, like, you know, that's just Mike, you know. So how about Katie Blackburn being super active on social media lately now, showing her stripes yeah. on Fridays and stuff? So that's pretty cool. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, that that front office is and, and some of the initiatives they've come out with really over the past year, two years, has been um, pretty awesome. I'm going to tell you what would be insane. What if Troy Blackburn goes to Walmart, takes the Super Bowl trophy to like Walmart or something and just says, you know, kiss it, you know, like, you know, like, yeah, I told you, you know, like it just goes through the checkout line and just checks out the Lombardi trophy and like, yeah, cha-ching. Like one well, he wouldn't be right. right. It would be funny, but he wouldn't be right. You know, he was still wrong. Right, <laughs> right, right. But he would never come out and say, you know, like I shouldn't have said that. But I just want a moment like that. I, I really like. I don't know. I'm, I, I like stuff like that. I want they're hun- just- they are a hundred percent putting the Lombardi Trophy on the mic cart. That that's going to oh, be for yeah, sure. Hundred percent for sure. Yeah, had that yeah. thing squeaking. We're not oiling that bad boy up no time soon. We're gonna let that thing squeak down Main Street. Um. Uh, a, a nice super chat from Matt Fuller, a good donation there. I've never heard anyone talk about the past rushers we played, both Bosa's Watt, the Browns, and the Raiders dudes. Um, that I, That's a good point because while some of those guys had some moments, um, I, I think I, I think Miles Garrett had a sack against the Bengals. I have to go back and look at all this stuff, but um, I think Miles Garrett had a sack against the Bengals at least. Um, the Bosa's. The, you know, Crosby had a couple of decent games against the Bengals, had the sack where he he curled, curled back inside and in the playoff game. But 
still kind of minimal factor this last uh, this last week, and so was Yannick. Um, you know, Jonah Williams had a really nice game uh, last week. So I don't know, guys. What um, what are you thinking here about? While all of these concerns about the offensive line, there have been a couple of decent. Watt didn't have much of an impact. No, he's been hurt throughout the throughout the year. He didn't have an impact really in the game that he came back. And we saw what he did in that Kansas City wild card game too, right, Zim? Right, right. I mean, for me. That was one of the things that we've been talking about in the Twitter spaces. You guys, if you like, there will be other Twitter spaces. There's one tomorrow at 3 p.m. One of my guys, Eric, is hosting one because I don't think I could really say anything else. But I encourage anyone that's listening to this. <laughs> yeah, I said a lot. <laughs> but anybody that's listening to this, like, go and check out these forums and like yeah, listen to cool. it. But one of the things that the Titans fans were saying is that, well, you've never seen a front four like this because they got three guys that have had eight sacks. And I said, man, you realize, and I ran off a lift. I mean, I go through Danelle Hunter, you know, Max Crosby. Speaking of Riley Reeve, you talk about that first game, AC. Riley Reeve absolutely was destroyed by Crosby. And I don't know if that was just yeah. the first half, but yeah. I remember seeing, like, a bunch of cut-ups of, like, that didn't go well. That was the moment where I think I said, you know what? Long-term, Riley Reeve might, you know, might not cut at that right tackle. That was the one game where I started to see that. But... Yeah, for anyone that's saying, you know, like the um, the Titans run or we need to respect their front four, I would run off a list for you so crazy that you wouldn't. I mean, we've seen everybody, Nick Bosa, the other Joey Bosa, uh, Watt. If they want to talk about Simmons, we, we've seen Chris Jones. We've seen Cam Hayward. Joe Burrow has gone through all that. So any of your friends or anybody saying, well, they, they're not going to be able to keep Joe Burrow clean. You're right. Joe Burrow might get sacked a couple times, like John said earlier in the game. Like, that happens in the style of play that he's playing. He's always looking to extend the play. He's always looking to do some stuff. I think in the last couple of weeks, one thing that's really, really happened that's um, progressed his game is I thought, like, him throwing the football away, uh, daring, the, uh, you know, like, giving the opposition their chances, putting three points on the board, you know. And then when we play the Chiefs, what happened? Third and 27 happens. Like, I, I can't afford to just – you know, give you guys the ball back or kick a field goal and stuff. So Joe will pick his spots, but we've seen the best of the best. And like I said earlier in the show, those pass rushes that they have, they are really good. But to say that we hadn't seen anything like this, truly false. Like the 49ers game sticks out to me and the Jets game sticks out to me a lot. That's a very similar group of guys that get together, run stunts, and absolutely give any offensive line in the National Football League problems. It's not only that. Like, they've had exposure to these guys, but they've been able to overcome it regardless. Like, I I look at the games where Burrow's been the most sacked and the games where he's been rendered ineffective. You'd look at the Bears game. That was week two when Burrow wasn't really himself. Uh, Like, he was sacked a few times against the Packers, but they still managed to be competitive in that game. The Browns, I guess, but that was like more towards turnovers and the Raiders, like because they had issues, like Zim said, with Reef against Crosby. Ever since then, like, yeah, he's taken sacks. He took four against the Chiefs. He took five against the, the Niners, but he had incredible games that game. It's it, like it's it's happened. Like the off line is, has not performed very well against the lead pass rushers and whatnot, but that has not stopped the Bengals offense from being effective when Burrow's dropping back. So 100%, like the Titans can impact this game with rushing the passer if they just dominate all day, but it's going to come down to their secondary. It's going to come down to Bayard and Hooker getting on maybe one 
maybe one Aaron throw throw from Joe Burrow because he's not made very many Aaron throws regardless in the past month. If they get that one opportunity, that is where that impact can be, can be made. But if they're just relying solely on the pass rush, snuffing out the Bengals offense, it's going to be hard to come by. Yeah, and I remember, you know, the the thing we've talked about a little bit, John, on on our show is how the offensive line may have shown marginal marginal improvement this year as opposed to last year in areas like, you know, they're not getting those uh, those so often crushing holding penalties, false starts yeah. that are drive killers, all that kind of stuff. So while they're giving up the hits, pressure, sacks, still at a high rate, they're not giving up that. And the other issue is, it's not these players and this may sound like just small victories and whatever to another fan base but it's kind of a big deal for the Bengals and their offensive line in the state of it it's not the issues that we have seen are moments they're not the entire game so what I mean by that is I I can go back and I can look at the the Ravens game where Jonah Williams had some real first half trouble with Justin Houston do you remember that and then all of a sudden that just went away um, after the after the early parts of that game, whether Jonah just adjusted, I, the Ravens were doing different stuff, the Bengals altered their game plan. Um, so it's stuff like that where they they struggle maybe for moments or small periods of time in games, but then they they seem to remedy things in different ways. Put a band aid here, put a, a finger in the in the leaky dam, so to speak, and it and it somehow works for them. So I don't know. That's just something that I've that I've noticed. I see another super chat here, and I know we're coming up long here so i hope you guys are still okay on time let me know if you are not but um you're out of here soon uh, yeah i got like five okay uh brick top saying a, a nice donation there should we choose to re- receive the kickoff in the first half my take on that is no yeah 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 defer and you use the strategies that have worked for you which is namely taking care of the football get that ball and score points right before half get the ball right out of half and get some more points. That's my take. I don't know if you guys want to add to that. I think that's an interesting debate, but yeah, I think just maximizing the opportunities in the second half, especially if say like the Titans dreams come true, right? They have game control and and they're ahead. You need that extra possession in the second half to to start off to begin that comeback. So I understand the thought process, but I would probably receive Zim. You're taking notes. Are you taking notes about these entire conversations or what's going on with you? I, you never know. I might get kicked into Twitter space or something, and I got to remember some of these points. Yeah, I got to have receipts, got to have some notes, got to be on my game. You know, these Titans come from everywhere. I'll be so glad when this daggone game is over so I don't have to talk about Titans fans ever again. I'm not going to lie to you. This is a challenging fan group right here. Much respect it, to those guys. It's been a little surprising um, about their fan base a little bit this, this week, at least for me. I don't know, but... Um... Well, I Anthony, I didn't, I didn't live through the Oilers days. I didn't live through that rivalry with uh Sam Oof. Weish and and that was uh, heated, Jerry. Glan- that what was, was his name? Jerry Glanville. Is that, is that Jerry the, Glanville, the name? cartoon yeah. character of a head coach, absolute cartoon character of a head coach. So, so I, I didn't, I didn't live through that era. So this is this is kind of refreshing to me just to see like what it would, what it would have been like if Twitter existed in the eighties. You know that dude. Oh my god, that dude. <laughs> him probably remembers a, uh, maybe a little bit, but that dude. His team wore powder blue and white, and those were their colors, and a little bit of red, you know. And he would show up. He had custom-made all black. He would wear black pants, a black starter Houston Oilers jacket, mm-hmm. black, nowhere even part of their, their deal. He would leave tickets for Elvis Presley and James Dean at the box office in Houston. Dude was just – but he he had them, and they would do all kinds of crazy crap after the whistle, all kinds of I, – I, you could go on and on. Go – Go find some of this stuff. He every single old AFC uh, AFC Central coach hated him. 
Chuck Chuck Noel hated him. Weish hated him, and they would just go at it. So, I mean, there's some bad blood there that goes back some years. Obviously, the Titans being a different team and moving, it's a little different. But I am a little surprised at the the fan base, so to speak, at, at some of the things that have been occurring this week. Man, I mean, you know, I think our fan bases are very similar in the sense of we don't have a, you know, a chip. And I think we're constantly garnering for attention for the players that we like. And that's one of the things. But self-awareness is always very, very key in life. And I don't know about their levels of self-awareness versus us. I, I There is, a, there is a, a world that we live in that the Bengals don't win this game. That, you know, like I understand that. For a yeah. Titans fan, I just don't think, you know, for the ones I've interacted with, I just don't think that they think that that's a possibility. Yeah, they're going to ground and pound, and they're going to grind us to the dang on turf. And you yeah. know what? You boys ain't never played no football like this before. We'll punch you in the mouth. Finesse team. Yeah. Bro. Bro. <laughs> that doesn't make it. Not yet. Bro, yeah. if, you finesse, if you finesse your way in the AFC North, you will end up with a three-win, four-win season. Yeah. Like, finesse if you want to, and you'll be 100%. finessing – to the number one pick in the draft. Period. There are no finesse NFL teams. It's the NFL. <laughs> it, it's it's well, not it's not the West Coast of college football. No offense, Anthony, but like that's not that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, uh, man, he's cramming. He's already cramming. Yeah, right. let's change the subject. Let's change the subject now. <laughs> uh, we'll get out of here in just a minute. We did get a text from eight oh three, Caudell in Dallas. Um, really cool and. Talking about five wide or empty sets and maybe a use of Auden Tate. I don't know if Auden Tate's going to help potentially some of those red zone issues that we saw last week. I, I don't even know if Auden Tate. Uh, I don't think he is. Yeah, I don't. I don't. We I, there's been no talk on him. But anyway, aside from the Auden Tate thing, we'll double check he on was, that. But the, he was the eligible. What's that? He was eligible to return right. from injury reserve. And right. I, and and then and he never yeah, was window. active. Yeah, yeah, but he was never brought back. Now I've seen him in the locker room practice, like with the guys, but still no activation. He's still like on Instagram and stuff. He's still posting Bengals stuff, so there I don't feel like it's a situation where it's just like I just hate the Bengals. But it's very safe to say the same way Trey Wayne's like this is the last right. odd and take, right. you know, right. set of games or whatever. But five five wide. Um, uh, the odd and take thing aside, five wide and um, empty sets usage of that maybe to negate some of that pass rush from the titans what do you what do you guys think well just for clarification five wide meaning 11 personnel three receivers right. running back and tight end going in empty they're not going to use like four receiver sets even in that sense but i think the plan is similar to the raiders where the raiders just like the titans or the titans just like the raiders don't blitz a lot it's going to be a lot of stunts with four-man rush and uh, coverage wise, obviously, the Titans go into more uh, split safety looks. And that is the situation where you can get more explosive routes down down the sidelines, which is what you saw against the Chiefs. But I think, yeah, in the beginning of the game, a lot of quick passes to nullify that Titans pass rush. Just like Zim said, maybe some quick screens, maybe some tunnel screens. See either Chase or CJ Uzama, just like what they did against the Jags. I think you're going to see a very similar game plan to start off in this game to nullify the pass rush. And then you'll start to see some explosive deep shots against some of the split safety looks. That's very key. You said that because a lot of people, um, you know, they like, you know, uh, Coach Bravel, they're like, he's a Belichick disciple and he's going to change it up and he's going to have two coverages on both sides. And, you know, I didn't think about that aspect of like, yeah, when you do that, 
now you 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 leave yourself you know open to the the possibility of bigger plays being open whereas raiders totally we're just going to say well this is what we're doing we're, we're staying in our stuff joe we're going to count on you to throw awesome passes in these tight windows if you have to make that type of a play i don't know if you guys saw that mic'd up uzama throw like mm-hmm. that's the best moment in it and i mean even he's just like woke but if joe sees the back of your helmet it's a wrap <laughs> like if you're right. a db corner say do you see the back of your helmet it's a wrap joe burrow's putting it right in the pocket yeah uh Anything else, any other uh, questions that we did not get to that you guys are seeing that we should? I saw a nice comment um, on the live chat in, in the Cincy Jungle post from Novelist62 just saying, I just wanted to say that we fans appreciate you and all of the podcasts keep up the good work. So that was nice of Novelist there. I wanted to give a tip of the cap there. But any others that you guys see that we did not get to? That Someone made a re- – oh, I'm sorry. So, someone made a reference to Warren Moon, and I was going to say, I didn't know much about football, but I did play Tecmo when I was younger. I was, like, really young. Or I was asking my cousins, like, you know, like, can you let me play? And I was too young. But I remember Warren Moon, and I would even say Steve Air McNair. I follow everything that he did when he was at Alcorn State. I will put all the clippings and stuff on my wall. Even though it wasn't my favorite team, my dad's favorite quarterback was Warren Moon and – like, because of that, like, I just learned a lot, of, you know, like, or I just watched a lot of clips and stuff of that when I was younger. Then I grew up and watched a lot more. So somebody made a Warren Moon uh, reference. And though, that is one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time, for sure. He was awesome. Yeah, he was 100% awesome. underrated. Zim, do you have any connections to, like, the Falcons? Like, any, anyone in that locker room? No, I did. I, I think, you know, the first interview I ever did was, what's the running back that we used to have here? Brian and he went on to who? Brian Hill. Brian Hill. That's yep. one guy that I'm still pretty um I'm pretty cool with to this day. Like we we might send a couple messages or something on you know on Instagram. But no, outside of that, I don't I can't think of anybody really. The reason why I'm asking is because Andrew Bam Greer in Facebook uh said in the chat that Calvin Ridley said after his contract is up, he wants to join Joe Burrow. <laughs> I wow. think he meant. I think he misconstrued that. He just said, "No, nah, he didn't say that." He said, "I love Joe Burrow." Mm. Okay. Joe Burrow it. was playing. What was that? Uh, it might have been after the Chiefs game or something on his Instagram. Or, no, that was on Twitter. He came on there and he was like, "Man, I just love Joe Burrow." So immediately everybody was like, "Oh, confirm Calvin Ridley coming <laughs> to the Bengals." Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know about that salary and what that. No. Uh-uh. But that would be awesome. That would be. Awesome. I mean, yeah, and Calvin really, hopefully, he just gets his mind right for whoever he wants to do. Right, next, right. Because that situation's been 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 interesting right. to see. Mental uh, health is is real. Yeah, real. Joe Ball says uh, the YouTube Bengal shows are part of my routine now. I don't remember what I had for entertainment prior to this season. Thanks, man. Um, and I guess we can get out of here on this one. A text since we're going long. It was from. Blake in Mississippi. Um, oh, Zim had to, had to bail. Um, well, John, how worried are you and how likely is it that the Bengals will be flat this week and less motivated to come out hot out of the gate after all the hype and celebration from last week's monumental win? Man, I, I think that's the difference. It, it, the fans in the city were hyped, but this is Joe Burrow's team. Like He doesn't want to just go one and done in the playoffs. I don't think there was that 
at all. Like, I know that that was on Twitter. Like, oh, the, the Bengals beating the Raiders was the Bengals Super Bowl. To the fans, maybe. Like, that was expected, that celebration and that popping off and everything. The players have a different mindset. And th- these are guys that have been in the playoffs before. You have guys who are younger guys who went to college football national championships. Like, they're they're not going to come out flat in the divisional round of, of the playoffs. Like, it, that Buckhart game, it was great. But like Joe said, like, like it was a good win, but we're on to bigger and better things. I don't think they're going to come out flat. I don't think that's going to be the reason why they lose if they lose. Correct. That's a couldn't have said it any better. I, I 100% agree with you. If they, if they lose, it's not because I, I don't think they're flat. I think it's either they don't follow the formula that has been getting them a lot of wins in the last half of the season and, or they are just beat by a, a good Tennessee team. I mean, that's, that's kind of, kind of what it is. Um, Anything else, John, any other comments, questions, be it, I, we didn't look at Twitter very much. I didn't really keep a close eye on the email. I, I tried to get all the, the live chats here, but uh, any others that maybe we missed that we should get to? We might've answered too many questions. I might've revealed too many <laughs> things about myself in this one. So I better get out of here as quick as possible. Yeah, so. well, there were some, there were some uh, interesting stuff earlier happening. Thanks to uh, SNL alum Luke Knoll. Appreciate that. We got to get him on the show. That, that'll be entertaining. But thanks to Zim. He had to hop out here at, at the end. And I understand why, because we're almost at an hour and a half. But this is one of the biggest games in Bengals history. So we wanted to make sure that we did all of you justice. And hey, by the way, thank you very much. I've got the sun shining in my face here through a window. <laughs> so I'm trying to block. Um, John, I think now. We are at least right around, based on what we've uh, garnered this week, um, between what we gave the Ken Anderson Alliance, um, what we gave the at the Munoz Foundation and the Ken Riley Foundation, and now the Javante Woods Foundation. I think we're upwards of twenty five hundred or so dollars in just a few weeks of of work, and it's not credit to you and I; it's credit to the listeners. So um, we're we're gonna round this money up and give the money to the Javante Woods Foundation, but just kind of doing some real rough math in my head. I think that's that's about where we're at so far, which is pretty cool. Absolutely, man. And that fundraiser that we had back in the summer, it was phenomenal. And then we kind of just came up with this, or Anthony came up with this on the spot just because Zicky Woods was down there as ruler of the jungle. So just a really impromptu way to give back. It's one of the more significant prominent figures in Bengals history and very topical too. So shout out to all of you guys to chip into to the Javante Woods Foundation. Absolutely a very worthy cause. And the guy, Icky likes his, uh, his honey baked ham. He told us. So uh, that's pretty awesome. want to remind everybody that you can get this show by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Some of you are watching it there. So subscribe, click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. We're on iTunes, we are on Stitcher. We are on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on all of the major platforms, not just this show, but the great show that Zim and Ace do, Orange is the New Black, as well as uh, Coach Speak and Chalk Talk from Matt Minnick, uh, his, his great work that he does and film review that he does. So all that stuff is on all the major platforms. Subscribe. Leave us a review if you can. Appreciate it. Appreciate all the questions, support, super chats, etc. Today, this has been one of. I know we missed two of our buddies and Matt Minnick and Ace Boogie, but this has been one of the one of the most fun listener questions that I can remember in a, in a long time, John. 
That's what happens when you have Zimahude injected with everything. <laughs> and and shout out to Ace who could not be here. But again, just real quick, you can get this phenomenal sweatshirt only at NewStripeCity.com. Shout out to Seth Reese who designed it. Shout out to Ace who manufactured it and put it all together. He's had a great month with his website. And definitely check out Zim's website to Burrow Babies to get all of his wonderful merch as well. Yep. Awesome stuff. Hey, John, enjoy yourself this weekend, my friend. Uh, should be a fun one going on in in nashville yeah talk to you next week man all right dude hello world what separated your deep ball from everybody else my deep ball it had a little secret sauce to it man (laughs) i never get too high never get too low but just keep moving the the whole story is carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in in high school 